Good afternoon. Thank you once again for joining me. Julian Campbell here. We've got another interesting show lined up for you this week. A bit later in the program, we'll have a couple of our Harvard Business Review tips. Uh, One of them is actually looking at getting your employees on board with new technologies. We're also going to have a chat with Christina Sikiotis uh, with our Mini Dawn Innovation. Today we're going to look at another one of those uh, case studies from the Boston conference that she recently went to. But from Markey Insurance today, we have uh, Jeff Donegan from the Markey Financial Services here to discuss income protection insurance. Jeff is an authorised representative of Millennium 3 Financial Services Proprietor Limited and as usual this discussion refers to general advice only and individuals should seek personal advice from an appropriate source before acting on any of the comments made. Good afternoon to you Jeff. Good afternoon Julian. That was a mouthful to start off with there. Yeah, uh, legalities. What, what, Jeff, what, what is income protection insurance? Well, why is it so important? Well, Julian, when it comes to insurances, people are very quick to insure their house, their car and their boat, but they don't think of their biggest asset of all, and that asset is their ability to earn an income. Mm. Without an income, people are unable to meet their daily living expenses, and without an income, their family will suffer. This is true for both employees, self-employed workers as well. Sick leave and holiday pay are finite in length and self-employed people don't even have that usually. So basically income protection is a means of providing for both yourself and your family if an illness or injury prevents you from working. So, So how does income protection work? Straightforward, Julian. Uh, if you suffer an illness or an injury and you're unable to work according to your doctor, you're eligible to make a claim. And like other insurances, it has an excess, but in this case it's called a waiting period and you can be on claim until you're able to return to work, you reach the end of your benefit period or in the unfortunate event, you die. It's whichever occurs first. So, so how much could you insure for? Julian, you can insure for between 75 and 80% of your income and most policies will provide some additional benefits for you if you need retraining or rehabilitation. The sweetest part of all is that usually the premiums are tax deductible and you're normally covered 24 hours a day worldwide. Just before I go on to the next question you've asked me, um, what... You mentioned self-employed people. Are they, they are able to insure because obviously their, their incomes vary a little bit, don't they? Well, they vary a little bit, but if they're a sole trader or if they're in a partnership, they're not even entitled to workers' compensation. Yeah. So they have nothing. But, so, but they can insure for income protection? Income protection, yes, definitely. Okay, so, well, the next question, can anybody get income protection and how much does it cost? Well, to get a full comprehensive policy, you have to apply for cover, and this involves completing an application, so the insurer can assess what cover you actually qualify for. This is based on your gender, your age, your smoking status, medical history, your occupation, your income, and also your pastimes. And then the premiums based on an assessment of all these factors and it's then influenced by the waiting period that you choose and the benefit period. But typically uh, it can be between one and a half and two percent, two and a half percent of income and that's before the tax deduction. And just to give you a bit of an example, if you're a 33 year old non-smoking motor mechanic on say 60,000 a year, 
if you chose a 30-day wait and a benefit to age 65, the premium would be about $1,400 a year. Then you would claim a tax deduction on that premium. So have you got any uh, classic claim examples you could tell us about? I sure have, and probably the closest one is my is my own. When I was 42, which was longer ago than I prefer to remember, I suffered a major heart attack. Now, I was unable to work for six months. I wasn't planning on having the heart attack, and if I hadn't taken my own advice, I would have been in uh, a lot of trouble. I had a young family and a mortgage. Things would have been awkward, and having the income protection, I was able to recover without the financial stress that would have occurred. And, and you're obviously back at work again today. I've been back <laughs> at work for... Many years. Many years, yes, <laughs> without giving too much away, yeah. Um, I've got another client that was a skydiver. Uh, she was diving in free fall, and unfortunately another skydiver clipped her on the way down. She broke her arm while she was in the air. Luckily she was able to land, uh, but she was obviously unable to work, and this resulted in a claim for her. And uh, I suppose just another one that springs to mind, uh, we had a claim recently where a young client had locked himself out of his house. And being young, he decided to break a window and reach in. But unfortunately, he severed a tendon in doing so. Mm. He's a tradie. He was unable to work. Luckily, he had income protection until he could recover. Just that point of the uh, the skydiver there, so that even if people take in uh, dangerous activities, they're still covered in these... It depends on the activities of when they took them up. Mm-hmm. Um, normally, if you are already doing skydiving, it would be an exclusion. But in this case, the client had had the policy in force for a couple of years and she took up skydiving. Okay. And policies are guaranteed renewable, so once they're in place, they're there for as long as you wish to keep them. Okay, so don't do anything dangerous until you've got the policy. Well, that's reading between the lines, but yes. <laughs> Is there anything else you can offer to assist people in understanding income protection? Well, I think the basic thing is to make sure that you get proper and appropriate personal advice. Read the product disclosure statement and make sure you understand what you're being offered. Well, great. Well, thanks very much for your time again, Jeff, and uh, we'll have Steve back in, in a couple of weeks. He'll be back, and I'm sure he'll have something interesting up his sleeve. Thank you. you have a good day. Thanks very much, Julian. Bye-bye. Bye. Jeff Donegan there helping us to understand uh, the importance of income protection, and, of course, you just never know when some of these uh, situations could befall us. Uh, it always is good to have some sort of protection in place. And you're listening to Business, the Law and You on 2NURFM 103.7. It's coming up to 22 minutes past one. Time to pop over to Christina Sikiatis. Good afternoon, Christina. Good afternoon, Julian. How are you? I'm well, and I have to ask, were you singing along to that? I always sing along. <laughs> I'm just happy that you've got the microphone turned down. <laughs> So, so we're going to talk about some more of those interesting case studies from the Boston Conference. Uh, Mickey Agrawal, Agrawal, Agrawal. Yeah, she's a she's quite an, uh, a remarkable lady. She was she's actually been mentioned in the um, in the Forbes list as one of the top twenty millennials on a mission. Um, and my goodness, she has several missions. So she's a serial entrepreneur, from what I can see, um, and experience. And just quietly, we're hoping to her, to bring her over to Australia potentially around November. So mm. um, 
that, for me, that would be very exciting. But what she's what she's done is she goes out there and notices something that's missing in the market, or is affected by something that's missing in the market, and therefore creates a social enterprise out of that. So what she, the the first thing she did was she developed some stomach issues. She dis- discovered that she was gluten intolerant, was intolerant to a lot of additives and hormones. She lives in New York City. One of the most prolific foods in New York City is pizza. So the pizzas were very much upsetting her. She gave up her what she termed as her favourite food, went, this is no good. Um, then, then what she did was um, actually create a business around gluten-free um, gluten-free pizzas and also what they what they do is the the farmed produce they use fresh seasonal produce from local farms to deliver to their restaurants so they've got several restaurants in New York City she's also partnered um, with Zappos Zappos CEO um, to open one in downtown Las Vegas Tony he saw I can never say his name properly um, and she, the, the company the restaurants called wild so she got that up got that started and partnered with um, with a chef and a restaurant person, somebody who was very familiar with restaurants, made him the CEO of Wild Company and then moved on to the next thing. So she's sitting in the restaurants and she's watching people eat and she's noticing that the children aren't eating their greens. Mm. It's also the first time we've noticed a generation that will die before their parents um, from health issues. So that some of the stats that are coming out on that are quite alarming. So she went, this is no good. So she started a business called Super Sprouts. And Super Sprouts has evolved into a television show. So she created characters. You know, there was a celery character and a carrot character and other green vegetable characters, broccoli. Um, and it's, it's turned into this mini television show. Um, and, and Super Sprouts is actually its own identity now. It's like, almost like the Australian version of the Wiggles, but into healthy eating. Um, and they do shows all over the place. They do live shows, live character shows. They're on the White House um, gardens once a year. Michelle Obama has endorsed them. And, and they're all about creating healthy eating habits with children. So mm. then she discovered that she had another business that she wanted to move into. She has a twin sister who's into television production, made her twin sister the CEO of that company. And she has now moved on to create a third and soon a fourth business um, leading on from those. But they all have a social message. They all donate money back um, to educational programs, to, to health causes, etc., um, because she is a social entrepreneur. But, but she's obviously uh, looking at those areas where there is an obvious need. I mean, you know, kids, yes. kids not eating greens has been around for, for a long, long time. If she's found the solution to that, that's fantastic. Yeah, well, she, and she's, she's encouraging them through entertainment to, mm. to look at vegetables and everything differently. And that, that's part of the, um, the beauty of what she does. Uh, she makes everything fun. I mean, there's a, throughout all these entrepreneurs, there is also the element of fun. Don't take the fun out of life. Yeah. Put some more fun into it. And I think that is very crucial. So once we think of something in a detrimental way and we think that it's going to hurt us in any way, and that, and, and a simple way of hurting us is to not have fun or to suffer while we're doing it, we're going to have this aversion to doing it anyway. And, and um, of course, which, will it work on an iPad? If it's, <laughs> you can <laughs> put an app true, on an yeah. iPad, people yeah. will play with it. Yeah, well, let me tell you, she's got the TV shows that are happening yeah. around Super Sprouts on the, available on the iPad, so oh, there you go. There you go. Um, and so somebody else, that leads me into, if I can just do a bit of a segue, a wild one from, um, from New York City and Boston back to Newcastle, Jennifer Holland, who um, is one of our own local entrepreneurs who appeared on Shark Tank earlier in the year and who is, is part founder of the, of the company Throat Scope. 
and who will be appearing at the launch of the Hunter Innovation Festival on Tuesday the 14th at a breakfast event we're having, um, took her child to the doctor's noticed the child gagging with a, with a tongue depressor and the light trying to get down there, having a look at her throat, went home and went, it's got to be an easier way. And she has developed uh, a, a tongue depressor with a light at the end of it. Now, how simple is that? Mm. What a simple concept that is or, or what a simple combination of two, um, two things that happen that make somebody feel uncomfortable, particularly a young child, uh, and a simple innovation that that is now has now been noticed because of her appearance on Shark Tank has been noticed potentially by a, a, an overseas company and hopefully we'll hear some really important news at, at the launch um, of where she's now going with that company so mm. very exciting opportunities when you consider somebody's pain point so where's the pain point where is the problem and everything starts from there and, and it's a great in, indication there of, you know, just get out there. You just never know how how you'll get found, doesn't it? That's right. And, you know, it's take advantage of every opportunity mm. and look for opportunities outside of where you normally look as well. So if you're, if you're, for example, a manufacturer, have a look at what's going on in the publishing industry. If you're, um, if you're in the medical industry, have a look at what's happening in education because there are so many crossing over now of different businesses, different opportunities, that you really need to keep your eye open on a whole variety of, um, of industries. Great. Well, thanks for your time again, Christina. And uh, next week we're getting close to that uh, Hunter Innovation uh, Festival, so we might uh, talk a bit more about that next week. Very much look forward to it. And if anyone wants to find out anything, hunterinnovation.biz is the website. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Thanks, Julian. Have a Have great a week. week. Bye-bye. Christina Sikiat is there with... Uh, Minute on Innovation. Those case studies from the Boston Conference are really exciting, aren't they? Well, it's coming up to 27 minutes to two. We've got time for a couple of our Harvard Business Review tips. This one here says, get your employees on board with new technologies. Bringing new technology and tools into your organisation can increase productivity, boost sales and help you make better, faster decisions. But getting every employee on board is often a challenge. So first, state your case. You want to put forth a compelling vision for what the new technology is and what it's going to do. Help employees understand what's in it for them. Will the new system help salespeople meet their quotas faster? Will it increase productivity and reduce weekend work? The best argument to new technology is that it will make your life better. After pointing out the benefits, you can focus on training employees. You want to customise training. Some might prefer an online training session, while others will need more individual support and lead by example. Show that you're investing time in the learning the new system and empathise with your team about the challenges you're all facing. So we'd certainly keep coming up to date with more and more technology, and that's a good advice there. Also, what about leaders win trust by not hiding their doubts? Leaders have been trained to hide vulnerabilities, to minimise risk and to be consistent, level-headed and in complete control at all times. But it's impossible to trust someone who is always rational, serious and in control. If you want to win trust from your employees, colleagues and bosses, you need to have the courage to present yourself as a more complex being. This means becoming comfortable with expressing doubt. Smart leaders know that there is more than one right answer, and so even after they commit to a decision, they're not afraid to revisit and change course if necessary. 
you should adopt the strong opinions weekly held mantra, especially when trying to navigate complex and uncertain situations. Don't focus so much on always being the visionary. Instead, try to be more human. Express doubt, ask for contrary options, and be willing to change your mind several times if necessary. So a little bit of interesting advice there, isn't it? We're often trained to be a little bit uh, invulnerable, high in our vulnerabilities sometimes. Well, thank you for being with me for the last half hour. I hope you've enjoyed the program. In a moment, Jane Klein will be back with you with more of your easy listening favourites. Next week, we'll have our Minute on Innovation with Christina Sikiotis. We'll look at a legal matter with John Woodward and have some more business and legal news of views that may affect your business. I'd love your company again for business, the law and you at the same time next week. Until then, have an exciting and prosperous week and as Alfred Noble once said, if I have a thousand ideas and only one turns out to be good, I'm satisfied.